Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 6 at verse 1. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 1 of chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians where Paul writes this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we are rejoining the book of Ephesians at uh, the outline and in the uh, context of everything else that's gone on before, of course. And uh, that means there was a an original doctrinal issue or a doctrinal section of the book, and that was... Uh, Uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 from a general standpoint. And then uh, chapters 4 through 6 are the more practical ideas. That is, uh, this has to do with how uh, they are applied here um, according to what we know about about our position in Christ, about our, our, um, uh, uh, our inheritance in Christ, about who we are, about our identity in Christ, and that makes a difference in the way we live out our life. And so chapter 4, verse 1 through chapter 6, verse 9, talks about our life in the world or our behavior, you might say, our character. Uh, generally speaking, the the scriptures uh, like to talk about it as our walk and uh, not talking about the way we put our feet in front of the other in order to uh, move our bodies, but rather this is uh, the way we behave in our conduct or in our character, the way we live it out. Uh, and uh, so that includes a word worthy walk in the first half of chapter 4, a different walk or a distinguished walk, you might say, in the last half of chapter 4. The first half of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians talk about the loving walk and how that is characterized in our uh, conduct and behavior and in our character. Then the wise walk is actually uh, um, extended from chapter 5, all the way through chapter 6, verse 9. So in many regards, this uh, paragraph, as well as the paragraph that follows uh, from verses 5 through 9, all of them are a part of the same context. The same context has to do with this wise walk. Uh, It began in verses 15 and 17, Uh, uh, talking about be careful how you walk. And then verse 18 talks about be filled with the Spirit. And that that in essence establishes the context of these paragraphs. And we don't always make those connections because we're not particularly uh, interested in in, uh, uh, looking uh, backward, you might say, in our uh, uh, Bible reading or uh, in our studies, because some, for the most part, we tend to look at verse uh, verses by verses. In other words, we we just look at a verse as if it was a um, a proverb, and uh, we don't consider the fact that there may have been a certain pattern that was already established in the thought process that's being communicated by the author, and in this case. 
It's the author, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So then being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually the context here. We have been exhorted in verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Verse 11 continues, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So there are basically three things that Paul talks about that he introduces under the heading of being filled with the Spirit. We don't normally look at these things as the evidence of the filling of the Spirit. We tend to uh, look at things that are way more dramatic or way more incidental in the sense that uh, uh, that uh, they are experiences that may have happened in a specific moment, like in a worship service or something else. We we describe certain activities or certain behaviors as that was being filled with the Spirit. But Paul doesn't uh, look at it quite that way, or at least he expands it beyond those those experiences in a worship service. The idea of being filled with the Spirit includes speaking and singing. That is very true, verses 18 and 19 of chapter 5. It also, uh, being filled with the Spirit, results or gives the exhibit of thanksgiving or giving thanks. And that's verse 20 of chapter 5. And then verse 21 introduces this next whole section of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means our character is one of submission. It means we make a deferral to those around us, uh, culturally speaking, or in the society, and specifically those spheres that are defined by the biblical uh, instruction that is to follow. And one of those spheres happens to be wives and husbands, That's verses 22 through 33. That's the longest part of this context of chapter 5 and uh, this longer context of being uh, submissive to one another and uh, what that kind of means in in the uh, in the areas of of various roles in which we play out in our marriages and in our families and that's exactly where we are here in chapter five that means submitting in the sense of uh, what this means um, uh, in reference to wives and husbands in reference to children and parents and that's the very paragraph we're in right now, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Then um, later in the next episode, we'll get to uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, talking about slaves and masters. And we'll get into the uh, definitions of what those things meant in the New Testament time uh, so that we're not confused about uh, our uh, our own understanding or our own connotations we might bring to that kind of terminology from a society standpoint. And so we'll get to that later. Uh, right now, we want to talk about the family structure or the family response to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means a certain level or a certain order of submission. And then it begins with the children's role. And in particular, uh, he concludes with one exhortation uh, addressing the father's role here. And that's exactly where we are right now.
So it says, uh, quite succinctly, in fact, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So just as wives are instructed in the same way, uh, uh, children are also instructed, but they are given a little bit of a stronger terminology. Wives are not told to obey their husbands. And I know that uh, the word obey is in uh, the the, the wedding vows of many traditional weddings. But uh, in many regards, if you read through this passage, he actually does not use that terminology. And uh, instead, he reserves this stronger word of obedience or obey your parents uh, to parents uh, that is in um, in context of children, and so, uh, and also in the next uh, paragraph in context of of slaves or employees to their uh, employers or to their bosses, uh, be obedient to those who are your masters. It says in verse five. So there is a little bit of a shift in order to show a distinct um, kind of obedience that. Paul expects from this particular group of people, and in this case, children obey your parents. And that, uh, but again, I want to point out to the fact that the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to address children directly. Uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, considers the children who are in the Lord. Notice that that's the very phrase here: uh, "Obey your parents in the Lord." That doesn't mean that the parent you you are exempt from obedience if you have unsaved parents or unchristian parents. Uh, uh, what that means is. Uh, children, you obey your parents because that's your responsibility in the Lord. If you desire to follow the Lord, then you will also obey your parents uh, in the Lord. And so that's a part of the description of the the obedience, not in uh, in, in def- definition of the parent's spiritual life necessarily, even though that might be assumed, it's not necessarily what is being said right here. And so... Uh, uh, just as if uh, Paul, just as in the case, uh, is what I'm trying to say, with the uh, husbands and wives, Paul uh, does not chauvinistically address the husbands and say, husbands, make sure your wives submit to you. He doesn't say that. This is a responsibility that believing wives are to do on their own in response to the Spirit of God and the Word of God directly as a fellow heir of the um, uh, the grace of God. And so it is here. Children in the Lord uh, are to obey their parents, and they're addressed as such directly by the inspired Word of God so that they are responsible to the Lord about the obedience to this. It's, it's not directly even to the parents uh, necessarily, even though the response is to the position of their parents. And um, so they are to obey their parents in the Lord for this is right. There is this general assumption or this general idea that this is a correct thing to to operate in the family. And um, and in fact, uh, a couple of uh, symptoms of, uh, of the degrading of the family life of any culture is described in Romans 1 as well as 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, in Romans 1, verses 28 through 32, especially verse 30, the list is, is included in there about uh, 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 
the uh, breakdown of the culture, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. So the family disobedience is a part of a reflection of the downgrade of the family and the downgrade of the culture at large that is built on families and strength of families. And in fact, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, there's uh, a warning about the last days in particular. And verse 2, it includes in there, uh, in that context, it says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So uh, included in those lists of the degrading uh, cultural phenomenon that influences the, uh, 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 the society at large and and uh, believers in particular, and believers' families included in that is disobedience to parents. There is a certain thing in which uh, uh, the family begins to break down, and that's in regard to this obedience. And um, now, we we know that uh, uh, parents are responsible for their children. In fact, uh, it's plural here. It's not uh, to their mother in exclusively or to their father exclusively, but to to the parents as a parental group, you might say, as a pair. And that includes both mother and father. And uh, uh, in fact, it says earlier, wives be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. And so all of this has to do with the response of the Lordship of Christ over your life. We'll be back right after this musical interlude. For the sake of understanding that uh, there are exceptions, you might say, to this general pattern, uh, parents themselves are not always perfect in in being parents or even in being human beings, you might say, uh, and they are not always right in everything. But Paul is laying out a pattern here that is to be reflected among uh, believers and believers' families in the churches. And um, uh, these are generally accepted formats uh, by which the families are to be ordered. And um, the Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, uh, part B of that verse says, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. And then in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 25, uh, he uses the descriptions almost in reverse. And he says, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. So there is this idea that rebellion is never considered to be a godly way of living your life uh, as uh, 
as uh, is played out in the family in particular and children uh, specifically. And so he goes back and actually quotes from the law of Moses to add more depth, to add more history, to add more uh, uh, more strength to to this uh, pattern of living out in the family life. Uh, and that goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, as well as Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, are the verses that he is referring to here. In verse 2 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, Paul writes, uh, honor your father and mother. So this is a part of the law of Moses. It means to esteem or to fix regard for them because of their position. Now, some of them may not be carrying their role out very well at all. Uh, They may be even despicable people as far as their personalities are concerned, but, um, but a believing son or daughter is to respond with honoring the position in the family uh, rather than rebellion. It says this, and then, and then it goes on to say, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, there are other commandments, you might say, with, with certain implications that are given, but, um, but uh, there is this idea that there is in the, the Decalogue itself, the Ten Commandments, uh, we call it, uh, there is this idea that this is the one with the direct promise included in the command itself. Uh, now, notice that verse 1 talks about uh, obey, that is regarding our actions, honor in quoting from the Old Testament uh, uh, commandment here, honor is a an attitude that's displayed, uh, perhaps uh, in the behavior itself. So he's he's dealing with the actions as well as the attitude uh, within the family, and particularly as children who know the Lord and are walking in the Lord uh, in response to their parents, and so. The structure of the family, of course, uh, changes when children reach majority age and uh, they are on their own and they're responsible for their own lives rather than their parents. So that that relationship might change uh, quite a bit. In fact, uh, if you if you want to uh, go back to uh, chapter five, verse thirty one of uh, the book of Ephesians, he quotes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. And so uh, there's a sense in which, uh, especially when there is marriage involved, uh, there is a new family unit. And these instructions or these uh, uh, commands uh, do not apply uh, in the direct sense anymore. But the honor should still be there. And, And this particularly has has the um, has the punch of giving a promise. Now, notice this promise isn't getting into heaven kind of a promise. It's not uh, finding eternal life kind of a promise, but it is a very practical promise. Look at this, which is the first commandment with a promise, verse 3, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Uh, your life may be at stake. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, your parents have the right to wipe you out. Uh, it does mean, though, that uh, that if uh, that obedience to parents' guidance and parents' orders and parents' instructions uh, is very vital, maybe even to life itself, when you obey them and what they are, are laying out for you. Now, uh, it, it, it has to do with the idea that uh, 
uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12b, it says that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So, so the, the covenant of Moses particularly had to do with the land that was promised to the nation of Israel as inheriting um, on behalf of the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that land and dwelling there in that land was a was in some regards a part of the promise here. And uh, and being obedient to parents uh, meant that you could live uh, live longer. And uh, and what that means is that uh, again, I'm I'm not saying that. Uh, um, uh, Parents uh, sometimes do not act like parents, and uh, sometimes they exhibit uh, quite a bit of selfishness. Sometimes they they may even be uh, brutal in the way that they conduct themselves, but that's not necessarily at stake here, and he's not giving us instruction about how to respond to to um, uh, violence or respond to those things. He's talking about the general pattern in which uh, we are to conduct the family. And so... Um, uh, generally speaking, parents are not necessarily the enemy of their children uh, for the most part. Uh, parents actually do have have the best interest in mind for their own children and for their own future. And so it will do you well to obey in that regard because you may actually live longer if you uh, if you obey your parents uh, because they may have a better idea of what is safe or what is healthy or what may give you the best options for your future. So he's not being... Um, um, He's not being uh, insensitive here to uh, children who happen to live in different other uh, kinds of situations, but he's being draw- he's drawing this general pattern of how this should look uh, in its ideal situation. So, uh, so he's giving us the idea that the this has practical benefits if you obey your parents, uh, because uh, as um, as uh, it says in the law of Moses, as well as uh, I, my own father said, uh, uh, told me that uh, I had a curfew uh, when I started driving my own car and had my own license and was out at night sometimes. Uh, he had a curfew for me, and I was supposed to be in by 12 midnight. And uh, later on, uh, you know, that that seemed to be rather restrictive. And uh, I thought, well, I... I could stay out till one, maybe two, you know, or whatever. And uh, after all, I'm close to being an adult right now. But uh, my father explained to me later on, and he said, I tell you to get home by midnight because that is when all the drunks start changing bars. And so he understood something about our society that I was safer to be off the roads. The odds are in my favor if I, uh, if I get home before midnight. Well, of course, we know that some bars are open uh, all night and some bars are open till wee hours of the morning, of course, before they close. But uh, that's not necessarily the point in, in my father's instruction nor in the application of these verses. Sometimes your parents actually do know what is best for you. And uh, what's interesting is we are currently living in a culture that is so far away from the biblical principles that... Uh, uh, that there, it is actually dividing us from uh, parents having control of their own children, of children being disobedient to the parents at, at the um, 
at the uh, behest of the society itself and maybe even uh, to uh, uh, the government itself or the the governmental agencies themselves that they uh, foster this rebellion. They foster disobedience to parents because uh, the people in the bureaucracies of our government sometimes consider parents to be the enemy of their agendas and they want the parents out of the way so the children can do what the uh, the bureaucrats want them to do. And uh, that is a very uh, sad state of affairs, and it is also very unbiblical and very uh, dangerous uh, place to be when parents are left out of their own authority that God himself has given to them and that uh, believing children should be applying uh, on their behalf. And so then he concludes with addressing the fathers. It's interesting that he he doesn't give a warning to the mothers. Evidently, uh, mothers are given a break here in in this particular context of exhortation. But the fathers, they are not let off the hook. Fathers should be fathers. And in fact, you could probably make the case that one of the things that that uh, is the the breakdown of our own society, perhaps, is the breakdown of the family, but particularly the breakdown of fathers being fathers. And, um, and uh, the, the greatest uh, attack upon the family is fatherlessness, and um, that, that boys and girls grow up without a father or without the father's attention or f- the fatherly uh, uh, instruction and discipline. And because the father is absent, then there is a certain kind of thing that happens in the family structure and in the family uh, uh, behavior and attitudes and uh, health. And so uh, this is particularly important because it's, it's directed at the fathers. Here, fathers, is the way you should be conducting yourself. Do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers, you should be responsible of being a father, not a boss. You are not to, to abuse your children, either verbally or physically or any other way. Uh, you are not to exasperate your children, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they, may, they will not lose heart. You shouldn't break their spirit. Uh, perhaps you may discipline their behavior, but don't break their spirit. And you might do that uh, uh, per- perhaps by using just empty threats or by name-calling and insulting your children, or by using overly severe punishment for the wrong kind of thing, or being inconsistent with your discipline, or, or exercising the wrong kinds of punishment for the wrong kind of offenses or the wrong kind of things. So fathers, don't, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The discipline has to do with the idea of training by contact, uh, conduct, excuse me, and the instruction has to do with training by words. And in fact, the original Greek language implies both of those definitions, training by conduct and training by words. We are to give attention as fathers of training our children, both in their behavior as well as in their attitude, but also 
in their instruction. We are responsible for our children's instruction. Our ed- the education of our children is at stake, and fathers are responsible. Paul, in another context, gives his own um, implied uh, uh, purposes of both motherhood and fatherhood played out in the family. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, uh, Paul refers to himself uh, as exercising the character of a mother. He says, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. That is what a mother does. And that's the way a mother should conduct herself. In verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul refers to the fathers as his own example. He says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. So uh, Paul in his ministry reflected the attitudes of the parental um, responsibilities over those he was ministering to, and that gives us a hint about how the families should be operating, especially how the parents should be treating their children and what they should be doing to fulfill their role as fathers and mothers over their children. And so um, Jesus, even hanging on the cross, was responsible as the oldest son to give his mother into the responsibility of his friend, John. And uh, there on the cross, he says, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And by doing so, he officially took care of his mother by giving her uh, over to the apostle John. And uh, that is a, a choice way in which the family would play out. Thank you, Father, for these words. Thank you that you have not left absent instruction about how our families should conduct themselves. And we do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.